0: Welcome to the Coach and the Therapist podcast, where we discuss solutions to life's problems from two different, though related, perspectives.
1: Each week, we pick a topic such as anxiety, depression, or weight loss, and offer our views based on our training, background, and experience.
0: We appreciate you taking the time to listen to, share, and subscribe to this podcast. For more information, head to my website at vanessachristiansen.com. Hey guys, uh, we are now on episode two, and today we're actually going to be talking about thoughts. Um, So something really interesting that I've come across and that I've been taught is that um, we have about 6,000 thoughts a day. Actually, before I even knew that, I was like, okay, it's not that many. But really, when you think about it, (laughs) um, thoughts actually consist your whole entire day. Um,
1: Did you say 6,000 or 6 million?
0: 6,000. Okay.
1: I was going to say 6 million sounds more accurate for my mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's like running thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so about, well, actually, I just read something today that said that's over 6,000. They're like, they're...
1: Somewhere between 6,000 and 6 million. <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: that's pretty much what it is. Roughly average. Okay. Um, 6,200 thoughts a day. Is that a nice number there? But that's actually what the that's actually what the research had said. Up in Ontario. Um, anyway, but um, today we're going to kind of talk about how our different takes on thoughts and actually in therapy and in um, life coaching. So for me, um, uh, this is kind of what I teach my clients is that thoughts um, is the narrative of the story that we tell ourselves um, and kind of like how our, our life is experiencing, you know? So, if that makes any sense. Uh, Let me try to rephrase that. And the thoughts uh, generate the quality of our life, basically. So um, the thoughts are the things that we think about. And there are facts that happen. There are circumstances and things that happen in our life. So there's traffic or there's, or there's lots of, you know, there's um, rain, there's, things that happen in our life but the thoughts about those things is actually what causes the emotion and so um an emotion is basically the things that make us act in a certain way Uh, we we act because of my thoughts of the rain is completely different than your thoughts of the rain so um the way that i approach a rainy day is different than yours
1: so the idea would be Actually, I think what I'm hearing you say is that there are like facts, which are like events or things that are happen, happening. There's a there's objective things that occur, right? So like it's raining. Right. That can be measured by multiple people by different per, different persons. They can all observe that something is happening, that uh, can be described as rain.
0: Right. And so um, each individual though has different thoughts about the rain and like you know, collective is like, we know that it's raining and it's wet and okay, I'm getting wet or I'm not getting wet. It doesn't matter. But the idea is then my thoughts about the rain. So you and I very well know that rain is not my favorite thing in the world. (laughs) And um, a lot of that has to do with my thoughts about it. And my thought is it's going to mess up my hair and I have curly hair and (laughs) and it's going to make it frizzy, and it's going to make me late. And notice how I all of a sudden have all of these thoughts tied to this one fact of it's raining.
1: Yeah, and I think thoughts can also change over time. It's like when I was a kid growing up in California, I loved the rain. Like the rain was, was awesome because you only got it for like three months a year. And so it was always fun. And I used to even like sit in my window and just watch the rain and enjoy it. And now as an adult, all I can think about is like, is the roof going to leak? You know, or are there other problems that are going to happen because of the rain? And so even though the rain or the way the rain occurs hasn't really changed from when I was a kid till now, my thoughts about it have changed.
0: Right, right, exactly. So again, so bringing up that whole idea of um, our thoughts about the certain situation, I call them circumstances, generates the the um basically the emotion that I end up having about the circumstance. So um, uh, some things that we kind of talk about in life coaching uh, is that there's kind of two and you can interject here with what you think about this, but that there's t- two types of kind of thought activity in our brain. There's the lower brain, which is like the instinct one, which is the fight, flight, or freeze, you know, um, and then there's also the higher brain, which is when you are deliberately making decisions and you're deliberately making like a, f- a conscious thought about something. What are your thoughts about that?
1: <laughs> um, so when I look at like the, uh, when I look at the lower functioning, I don't really see it as necessarily having conscious thought um, I see it more as when you talk about like instinct that would be more like stimulus response so yeah. something happens and then my brain says you need to respond to that right um, like if I'm under water and I'm starting to run out of oxygen, my brain says, you need to breathe. Um, But I don't have to, like, think about that or have, like, a conscious thought. I think what you're talking about with the higher level thought is, like, the prefrontal cortex where... Yes. ...more of the, like, rational thought happens and the planning and the executing and all those different things.
0: Right. Okay, so the idea there is, though, that when you're kind of, like, having someone... maybe yell at you or getting upset with you or what you assume is like that they're raising up their voices at you or you are thinking that they are upset with you, your instinct jumps into either fight, flight, or freeze, right? And so the idea is to kind of maybe take a step there and maybe not just instantly react and maybe take a thought moment, (laughs) a pause, and just sort of like, okay, hold on for a second. I'm feeling an emotion and this can happen like super fast. It's like, okay, I'm feeling emotion. I'm feeling defensiveness. So what is the thought tied to this? It's like, well, of course I'm feeling defensive. Someone's yelling at me. Okay. Well, here's the thought. Okay. So I can now make a conscious effort to think through this thing and not actually react from defensiveness, but actually say like, you know what? I really don't, like how i'm feeling right now so i'm going to get up and walk away from this thing or you can just sort of say like okay can let's hold on here for a second because um you can then make a conscious decision on how you're going to react at that point Um, so the idea is that usually what happens is that the first thing that happens is like an instinct kind of like a okay i need to either defend myself or I need to protect myself and so that is where most of our thoughts kind of originate from where it's like oh defensiveness it's because they're attacking me oh I need to protect myself or let's say someone doesn't invite you to a party and you're like ah like that hurts really a lot and I kind of get upset about that and it's the idea of like now let's actually think about that what am I making that mean so you take that pause and then you kind of put a you kind of attach and and like acknowledge the thought that's the word I'm looking for you kind of acknowledge the thought that's actually bringing on that emotion and so let's just continue with this. I didn't get invited to a party. And so I'm feeling hurt and kind of like n- not included, right? And so <clears throat> my thought is I'm not included. Maybe I'm not liked. What's wrong with me? And there's that thought right there. So um, I like to then at that moment, while well, in the moment, just sort of like say, okay, so thank you, brain, for trying to protect me, right? Right. Like, no, there's no imminent danger because I'm not getting like sent out of the pact because that's one of the things of our instincts is to stay within a pact so that we can stay safe. And so um, we're not getting ousted from any pact. It's just that we just didn't get invited. It's not that big of a deal. Like, it's there's, could, there's nothing really wrong with me, but thanks so much for like, you know, trying to protect me from trying to like being ousted from a pact. It's all right. Um, so <laughs> you're smiling.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think your Colombian is coming through. It's a pack. <laughs>
0: oh, is it? <laughs> My Colombian. Um, <clears throat> some of you don't know this, but I <laughs> I am very Colombian. Well, I guess not super Colombian because I was born and raised in Los Angeles, but by raised by a very Colombian uh, mother and grandparents. So, yeah sometimes I mess up my words.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so your body, like, oftentimes will think that there's this big threat, like you're going to be thrown out of the pack, but that may not actually be what's happening.
0: Right. So that's what I mean by the two kind of brain activities of the lower brain and the higher brain. The lower brain is usually just there to, like, protect you, keep you safe, and keep the people that you love safe and survival, right? And so... Um, usually when we do knee jerk reactions, it's because of one of those kind of instincts kind of, kind of coming up because most of our instincts then kind of feed into this whole thing of, oh my gosh, I'm getting thrown out from a group or someone's not liking me. There's something wrong with me, or there's a, oh my gosh, I'm getting attacked and a bear is attacking me or a person is saying mean things to me because their eyebrows are, you know going down or uh, whatever we're making it mean, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I like to talk about this through the lens of like experience a lot, um, mm-hmm. that when you have experiences, your your mind will process those experiences and store them in long-term memory. Mm-hmm. And the response that goes along with it is considered to be appropriate based on that experience. However, that experience in the future may be very different than what actually happened in the past. The example that I use for this, which is uh which is an awful situation, but it illustrates the point. If you have a person that, let's say, that they're walking out to their car one day in a in a dark parking lot, and they get assaulted, mm-hmm. um, and they just get you know like just get the crap beat out of them. Well, they're going to then have this association, and their mind is going to store in their in their brain that like maybe hearing footsteps behind them in a dark parking lot means somebody's going to beat them up, um, and then they they therefore react that way. Right. Well, let's say that like you go like six months down the road, and the person hears, you know, the footsteps behind them and they turn around with their mace and squirt it right in the person's eye and it just turns out to be like their boss or a coworker saying, Hey, you forgot your keys. Right. You know, and so what we do is we take these situations, we react as if it's what's happening in the past, mm-hmm. when in reality the situation may be different. Sometimes it's not different. Right. Which means that these that these thoughts and emotions and responses aren't necessarily a bad thing. No. But they're not always adaptive and they don't always actually help us.
0: Right. So um, that's why I like to kind of take a moment, like, let's just say um, you are dealing with someone and they're actually saying some words to you. And I don't really know what the words are, but you take it as they're saying like a tone that's not very kind to me. And so I can sort of like be there and just sort of say, okay, brain, thank you so much. Like I'm feeling defensive, like I want to fight back or protect myself, but I can really just sort of maybe take a moment here and just say, all right, so they have thoughts and they're saying words and they're like, maybe it is a tone. Maybe it is that they're actually trying to say, like, I'm not a very nice person or that, you know, they don't like me. Um, but what I what I do, what I make it mean, though, is another thought, right? Maybe they're right. You know, then you start having more thoughts on, attached to that first knee-jerk reaction. Although sometimes I do have to say that we kind of tend to go for that first knee jerk reaction because that emotion is kind of strong um, that um, kind of comes up, like defensiveness. Um, <clears throat> I know that I've had uh, certain relationships in my life where the person can just walk in and, like, all of a sudden I'm like already ready to be defensive and, like, they haven't even said anything. So that's when I actually like to take the pause and say, what's happening here and it's kind of like what you were saying take past experiences and it's that's why your brain is like okay we are just trying to protect ourselves because we know the situation and we're trying to make sure that we're not going to be put in that situation again
1: yeah it's interesting because people and we're kind of moving into the idea of action but people will oftentimes Feel like their actions are going to get them what they want, but in reality, it doesn't work out very well.
0: No, and yeah, we'll totally talk about that because the idea, though, that the way that I've that I kind of talk to my clients is that the circumstance is very neutral; it's sterile in the sense of like. If you put it out there in the world, there's going to be lots of different emotions and I mean, lots of different thoughts tied to that because it'll create lots of different emotions, but it's very sterile in the sense of like, it's just a fact. So it's just on a piece of paper. There's no thought attached to it, no emotion attached to it. It's just a fact. And then what we make it mean by our thoughts or whatever thoughts we attach to it, then create that emotion. And emotion is actually really interesting because it's all, I believe it's all the source of every action or inaction that you take. So if I'm scared, I'm either going to either crawl up into bed and, you know, avoid something and take a nap or, and not do something about it. Or I will, um, over do something like I'll either over research or I'll over eat over exercise. Um, so, you know, I kind of sort of like go towards and do other things to busy myself, which is kind of like a, a resistance to kind of thing, which is not really dealing with the with the emotion at hand. So yeah, actions are pretty cool when we actually understand where they come from.
1: Yeah, and I I know that when I look at this and I, I try to talk to people about it, I think one of the main things that we're both trying to kind of say and that, that sort of complement each other is that it's oftentimes not the things that happen to us that is really the problem. It's really how we interpret and internalize those things, which then guide and um, guide and access, like, how we access our thoughts and how we go about that. Yeah. So there's there's an example that I usually will give people for this, and it comes from uh, actually a supervisor that I had 20 years ago. She was talking about uh, a person that she worked with, and she was trying to help us to kind of understand this point that, that it's not really the events, it's not the things that happen, it's really more of, like, what we do with it. And she talked to us about a girl that she had worked with who was, I think she was about 10 or 11, and she had been at a family picnic and was swimming in the lake, and her uncle had molested her in the water. Mm-hmm. And she came out of the water, and our uh, our professor said, like, well, what do you think happened? And I'll actually ask you the question, like, what do you think happened? I think you might know this, I'll probably talk to you about it, but what would you normally say, what did this girl do?
0: Well, I don't know, there's so many things, but I'm going to go with she
1: went and told somebody. Yeah, and how do you think she felt about herself?
0: Not very good.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of the common thing, and most people I've ever asked will say that. You know, like, she probably felt ashamed, and she probably felt awful. Mm-hmm. Well, this girl got out of the water and went, Uncle Johnny's a pervert. He just touched me in the water and yelled it and screamed it out to her entire family. And they actually went and then took care of Uncle Johnny. But, <laughs> um, but the point of this was that, that girl actually had very little therapeutic work to do. Right? You know, she, she did not see this as having been her fault. She didn't see it as making her any less than or anything she saw this as him doing something that was not right, that did not have any, any origin in her.
0: Right,
1: And because of that, she didn't really have a whole lot of lasting traumatic effect, which obviously is not the case with most people, but it's a really good illustration of how what happens to us is, is an event. It's something that occurs. Right. But what we internalize that then guides our thoughts really has a huge impact on then what we do in response to that.
0: Yeah, actually, there's a really good example. Our daughter, Katie, actually just last week um, wanted to make a project for the cat. Um, She's a little obsessed about the cats. That's definitely a thought. (laughs) Um, But she wanted to make a cat bed for one of the cats. And um, I, before I could even get the words out, do you want to like, look for a pattern or like, I suggest a pattern. She had already gotten the fabric and started cutting the fabric. I mean, she knows the fabric to use and not to use, because that's definitely a big fat no, no of using which fabric to use and which fabric not to use. So she went and she got the fabric and just started cutting up like no fear whatsoever. Um, And so she was just like, yeah, I'm just going to make this like no thought of like, what if it doesn't turn out right? What if this is like wrong? And, and we've actually had conversations in the past where I've actually said like, Oh, you kind of need to follow a pattern. Right. And she's like, she'll ask why I'm like, well, cause it kind of gives you guidelines and like, you know what to do. And she's like, no, I'm okay. I'll figure it out on my own. So for her, her thought process is, why can't I just figure it out on my own and I'm going to mess up like, Who cares where some people have the thought of like oh my gosh I have to read this twice make sure there's no mistakes and like I have to make sure that it's like perfect and it's exactly how it's supposed to turn out and what ends up ends up happening is that a lot of people psych themselves out from even starting so um she doesn't have any real thought work even though I've even mentioned like well you know I've even given her the thought of Patterns are there to guide you so that it turns out great. And she's like, "No, I think I'll just try it on my own." Thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the therapy world, we look at that and we would we would say that that's based on experience. Um, and that experience, like for her, is that failure hasn't been a really bad thing. For people that really follow patterns, they have experience that says if you don't follow this, it's actually going to be a really bad thing. And so then they tend to rely on those instructions, or um. even just realizing that they need the instructions to be successful. <laughs> But, uh, but that's the difference between those two people but their thoughts their thoughts guide their decision making
0: yes um, and uh, something though that uh, we do talk about for like that I help with my clients is that um, sometimes though self-esteem can actually be tied to something other than your actions and your past experiences it can be uh, your thoughts about yourself right um, it can just sort of be like I I am a good person and I've had some bad things happen to me. You know, I am lovable. And sometimes I act in a way that I'm not so great, but there's that and word. So, um, that kind of goes with, um, kind of goes along with like experiences and stuff like that, that it, it can, you can still do thought work, even though you've had some experiences that have taught you, um, or to have some beliefs, like some core beliefs in your head that these type of things happen when other things happen. And so um, self-esteem is definitely one where um, when we tie actions to to like how we think about ourselves or even past experience of people saying things to us and um, outward type things. So um, the idea is that you can, with our thoughts, uh, we can produce Um, a great self-esteem and it's not really the circumstances that actually need to dictate that
1: yeah i think what's hard for people and and uh and i don't even know that i have like a great way to describe this or to make it easy for people to grasp is that a lot of times what we're what we have to do is to change our thoughts in a way that engages our emotional system too Mm -hmm. so sometimes i'll talk to people about like being embarrassed you know they'll say like well if i And this is part of self-esteem, too. That's what makes me think about this. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if I go and I speak in front of a group, I'm going to mess up and I'm going to be embarrassed. Well, what's the connection then between the thought and the emotion? The thought is, I'm going to mess up. The emotion is, it's going to be painful. Mm -hmm. I once asked somebody when I was trying to illustrate this, I'm like, what's so bad about being embarrassed? And they're like, well, it's really embarrassing. And so I actually looked up like embarrassment. And yeah, sure enough, it's like just a negative feeling of feeling foolish. Right. Well, so what we have to do sometimes is actually disconnect the thought from the emotion. In other words, help them to see that you can have a thought of like, I can go in front of people and make a mistake, and it doesn't have to be the end of the world. Right. You know, I can I not feel embarrassed, or I can reinterpret that feeling of embarrassment.
0: Yes. Which is yeah. really
1: hard for people to do. Yeah. But it's something that I think is uh, ultimately really important, because if you can't disconnect the thought from the feeling. Right then that, that feeling is going to overwhelm your thought process.
0: Well, um, so I've actually had an experience. I, I actually explained this to someone just recently where um, I was feeling like a little bit of not so much resentment, but just like, being put upon because I was doing all of these things like in the house and all these other things. Right. And so I remember the other time when it actually was kind of like a hurtful, like overwhelming feeling of I am doing so much stuff um, because you were deployed. And so um, what's really interesting though, is that um, I did have a moment of, I don't want to feel this overwhelming feeling. I feel like this like pretty awesome of me to do. And so what ended up having is like, what do I have to think in order to, um, like feel this emotion now, you know? And it was, um, it was a, you know what? Yeah. I'm a, bad a. <laughs> You're deployed for 13 months. I'm taking care of four kids. Now, all of a sudden my emotion tied to that is like, yeah, it's overwhelming, but man, I'm also awesome. So it's kind of like you have two competing thoughts right there. And it's like, I want to give more weight to and more airtime is kind of what I've mentioned to my clients. Like I want more airtime to that one to think more about that one right there. It doesn't change the situation so much. Actually, it doesn't change it at all. But it does really kind of help with the emotion of, I don't want to feel that anymore. Like I'm also a bad A. Like, so yes, there's times of overwhelm, but like, I'm also a bad eight and all of a sudden I have this other competing emotion as well. This confidence is brought up and like, I find ways and solutions to things. And so I don't ever think we ever just have one thought, you know, that's, I mean, we just said that in the beginning, we have 6,000 thoughts a day. So to actually think that, we are just going to have one emotion tied to like one thought, but is not true. It's just that we have competing thoughts all the time. So my idea is to actually, when I'm helping a client, when they're telling me their story and their narrative and all the things that have gone down, we call it a thought download. um, I highlight some of the little positive thoughts that they have, and I circle them because they're, Currently, telling me all the things that are bad that are happening, but yet they do have sparks of good thoughts, of good things that have happened. And so I'm like, how about that? Like, that's already happening, but it's being clouded and like not given enough airtime because you're so focused on these, all of these thoughts, right? That this goes on later on into like our experience as a client and a coach because my first thing is to just sort of mention and to highlight and to show them that thoughts really are the things that are tied to our emotions and not the circumstance. So later on into the coaching, I actually say, okay, I understand, and then it will do like the little model, I call it the little model, okay, the model um, where I show them the circumstance, the thoughts, the feelings, the actions, and the results. But then I also highlight, you also have this thought right here. Can you tell me more about that? And that's when I actually start bringing out from kind of like hidden from all of these other narratives and all these other thoughts that are creating this story and go, how about that one? I want that thought tell me more about that. And then what's really interesting is, is that that thought and that story around that, those thoughts right there, like create an emotion. And so therefore we can also like almost like bring out that emotion as well. So anyway, that's, that's kind of like what I do for my clients.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think maybe one thing that uh, will come out of our conversation today is that People should really understand and know that your thoughts are not set in stone. No. Like they don't have to they don't have to be so firmly implanted that you cannot ever change them and you must always be dominated by them. Instead it's much more helpful to understand that your thoughts come from a place, they come from your experience, they come from your your life. We we basically come into this world somewhat of a blank slate, you know, in terms of like thinking. But people teach you how to think over years and over time. And we never actually question that. right? We never actually say like, wow, was what I was taught to think about myself actually useful or helpful?
0: Mm, yes, good. And, yep. and
1: so what we, we need to help people understand is that they can question that. They can say, was that helpful? Is it actually allowing me to achieve my goals and get the outcomes I really want? Right. Yeah. And if we recognize that we can challenge those things that we can change them and if we change them we may very well find ourselves with different outcomes
0: okay well i guess we didn't really sort of say how we're different though i guess we kind of like are very much on the same idea of like yeah thoughts are super important so is there a difference between the therapist and the coach
1: i think one of the one of the differences is that i'll spend a lot more time with people helping them understand how their past contributes to mm-hmm. where they're currently
0: at yes okay
1: yeah, yeah. okay you know, and just that's... like when i talked about the Like, if I talk to somebody about, uh, you know, why are you so reactive in the parking lot? Mm -hmm. Instead of just focusing on, like, let's help you figure out how to move forward and not be reactive, we would say, like, well, it's very understandable that you are reactive. Like, we know why you do that. But let's actually then take that knowledge of what happened in your past and use it to plan for and move into the future.
0: Okay, good. Yeah, okay. And then I would definitely say that I would approach it along the lines of, like, of course, Of course, you're reactive, like it's just your brain trying to keep you safe and trying to do those things. And so you can thank your brain. And so and then actually from taking from past experiences, you can just say like, we're not in the past right now. At this moment, at this point in time, there is no imminent danger. You can just thank your brain and to kind of like have compassion for yourself and then um, really just sort of like be present in the moment and then make a decision from right there on how do I want to feel? What, what's going on now? And so, um, yeah, I like that. I like our differences.
1: Somebody with anxiety would say, like, well, what if the next time I do get beat up? Oh, you know, like, <laughs> like That would be oh, the, you know, that yes. would be the uh, you know, you say there's no danger, it's not the same thing, but what if it is the same thing?
0: Well, I always teach that worry is a fake helper because worry and anxiety like to live in the past and in the future and never what's at hand. So, um, yeah. So, what we're trying to do, especially for like individuals, because I do have some individuals who, who um, have seen a therapist or do see a therapist, with because their main thing is anxiety, is that it does though help in the moment to have that compassion for yourself and to actually have that that thought of like, thank you so much for caring for me like that. I really appreciate it, and so. I really could just appreciate this moment right now. I have anxiety and it's a passenger in, 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 my, in my car and we're driving. And so I can't really kind of get rid of you. But um, I am also very aware of the present moment right now. And at this moment, there's no imminent danger.
1: Yeah. And I, and I would suggest that two of the thoughts that actually really hamper people is that whatever they're worried about is going to be awful and the other one is that if it's going to be so awful, I'm not going to be able to handle it. Yeah. So I would talk to people a lot about like, well, let's let's actually find evidence that it's not going to be as awful as you think it is. Right. Um, the embarrassment is a good example of that. Like being embarrassed is it's okay. There's people that make an entire living out of this. Um, and then also on top of that, uh, even if it is going to be bad, you can handle it. You know, like I can I can handle these things. Right. And so with that, you know, like we, we would kind of go into those sort of things and, and help people to actually understand that those thoughts aren't very helpful and that we can find new ones. Um, I think another thing too on the therapy side of things is that there's also entire perspectives that say that basically your problem is that you are restricting your emotions mm. and that your thoughts don't necessarily matter as much, but if you would access and experience and live your emotions then you would be able to cope with and deal with things better. Okay. You know, so if you have fear and you're always trying to cut that fear off, this maybe goes along with what you're saying. Yeah, avoid
0: and resist, yeah.
1: But as you avoid and resist, sometimes you just make things worse. But if you did and allow it to occur.
0: Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's like coaching 101. Avoid, resist, and uh, react are like the things that we always do because we don't want to feel an emotion. So actually to feel the emotion, this actually goes when we talk about... um, Uh, weight loss and things like that Um, a lot of times we overeat or we overdo things or we avoid things so that we don't feel emotion and actually when we talk about um, urges which is kind of like the emotion right there like an urge is like an action to go do something and it comes from an emotion so when you actually um, recognize the emotion and you sort of just sit there with it and just say what's the worst thing that can happen just feeling this emotion is just to feel this emotion and eventually though when we don't act on it to like resist or avoid or you know to um, to take action on it and we just sort of sit there with it um, again i i use this whole thing of having the emotion be a passenger in my car instead of being the the, the driver of my car so um, that is when i say It gets out. I tell it to get out of the driver's seat and to get in the passenger seat. And we're actually just going to pull over to the side and we're actually just going to sit there and we're just going to experience this and we can just be okay experiencing sadness, loss, and just sort of like, I mean, it's not okay, but it's just like, why not just go through the emotion, feel it and let it
1: move forward. Yeah, so there's some therapists that would say, like, I just really work with the emotions. There's other say, others that would say, I just focus on solutions or just work on mm-hmm. on implementing things that will help as opposed to worrying about either of those things. Yeah. So there's a few different ways that, that people approach that. Um, again, I think a kind of a key take-home for today, though, should be that your thoughts don't have to be set in stone. You can change them. And if you do change them, it's a little bit easier to actually deal with and, and handle situations, especially when you come to believe that you are more competent than you think you are. And that you can handle more things than you really think you can.
0: Yeah, I love it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, you guys. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you guys next week.
1: Yeah. In the meantime, if you have any interest in learning more about these things, you can always go to VanessaChristianson.com.
0: Thanks, (laughs) son.